Intentional purpose. The word intentional, just starting out with definition, intentional, and I like when they do this, done with intention or on purpose. I like when they use the word pretty much in the definition of the word. That really helps. Intentional means done with intention. Well, that doesn't help me. (laughs) Intention simply means purpose or attitude towards something. Now, we heard on Sunday morning... We talked about Adam and Eve in the class and about Eve's intentions and uh, how that our intentions uh, don't always match with our values and when that doesn't happen, our values win. When our intentions are, are, are well-intentioned in what we mean to say or what we mean to do, but our values and what's inside comes out. Uh, and so our intentions, the purpose or attitude towards something doesn't always come out exactly right. The word purpose, the reason for which something exists or is done. And so combining those together, since I don't like either one of those and I created my own phrase, I'll define intentional purpose as this, having my attitude focused towards why I am here. Having my attitude focused towards why I am here. I think inside every person is this idea of purpose. It doesn't matter if you're living for the Lord or not. I think inside every person is this, uh, this something that drives us towards a purpose. There's, everyone feels like there's something they're supposed to do. And, and it's amazing when I hear stories about people and things they're doing, and they, it, it's just, it, it kind of fascinates me how they ended up where they are. What was it that clicked inside that person that said, this is what I'm supposed to do? But everyone kind of feels this, this, uh, this push that they were created for some reason, whether they believe in a God or not. They have this uh, feeling inside that there's something that I'm supposed to be here for. And humanity spends much time. I don't know if you have, I have in my own life. We spend much time and energy searching for this. What am I supposed to do with my life? Why am I here, of course, as we... Begin to look at it from a spiritual sense. What did God put me on this earth to do? And and people begin to look for it. And they follow after any number of things in search of this elusive purpose. We know scripture is clear that every one of us has a purpose. And we were created for a reason. In Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. God tells Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly... I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He tells Jeremiah that he knew who he was before he was born. And he tells him, you had a purpose before you ever uh, uh, took a single breath on this earth. I had a purpose for you. That there's a reason that you are here. And and, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on purpose here, but I want to remind you, in case you don't know, God has a plan for your life. That God does have a purpose for your life. That there's a reason that you are here. There's a reason that you are still here on this earth. When I begin to think about that He planned you for this moment. That it's not just that I'm here, but He planned for me to be in this moment right now. He planned for me to be in this location, in the middle of whatever my life is going on. God put me in this time, in this setting, in this location. It makes me realize that He really is working towards something. That He really has a plan and a purpose. 
He was intentional about you. He was intentional about creating you. He was intentional about giving you the abilities and the gifts that you have right now. And when he created you, he had an intentional purpose in mind. Now, I wish I was like Jeremiah. I wish I could have a moment in my mid to early 20s when I'm searching to see what God wants me to do. And God comes down and says, you know what? You have a purpose. Okay, thank you, God. But then he says, I've called you to be a prophet unto the nations. Wouldn't that be nice if God told you your purpose right away in your early 20s? And then you could spend your rest of your life doing what God said he created you for. Right? Jeremiah got off easy. He just ended up in prison and everything else. But he got off easy. God told him why he created him. When we look at the apostles in the early church, we find an intentional purpose in what they were doing as well. So God created us with an intentional purpose in mind, and we find the early church realizing that they have an intentional purpose. And we know the lives of many of the key players. We see an intentional purpose in Paul when he writes, and I've mentioned this verse several times in the last couple months, Philippians 3.12, not as though I had already attained Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. And I'm saved for a reason. I'm saved for a purpose that God had an intentional purpose when he began to draw on my heart. It was about salvation, but he had something more that he wanted to accomplish in me and through me. Peter was another key believer who understood the idea of intentional purpose. His life before Christ was one focused on fishing, and, and we're not sure what else, but we catch a glimpse into his personal life before and after Christ, possibly when he mentions in 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition, from your fathers. And so we understand when he is speaking, he's not just speaking about life, but his religious life also. And in fact, the New King James, I like how it translates this slightly differently. He uses in the King James the vain conversation, but the New King James translates it this way aimless conduct. And when I begin to look at my life, there's been a lot of aimless conduct in my life. And it gives us the idea of misdirected or unfocused, a life lacking in intentional purpose. And I want you to understand that what he says in this verse is God redeemed my soul, but he didn't just redeem me from sin, but he redeemed me from aimless wanderings of conduct and purpose, that I don't have to live a misdirected life, that I don't have to live an unfocused life, unsure from one minute to the next what I'm supposed to do, what he's called me to do, but he redeemed me from that. And so there is a purpose, there is a point, there is something that God is trying to get out of my life and Point me towards. So God has not made an accident with you. He has not made a mistake with you. You are here with an intentional purpose. And if God was intentional in his purpose for me and in creating me, then perhaps I should reflect that and in like manner be intentional about my purpose. Live my life with intentional purpose. Now, I know right now it sounds like buzzwords. It sounds like something that's just a theory, but I'm, I, maybe, maybe I'm heading somewhere. I don't know. We'll find out. Goals and purpose and achievement, these, these things seldom happen accidentally. You know, most good things in your life take work, 
Now, perhaps this will just uh, crush uh, whatever spirituality you may think there may be inside of me, but uh, the other night I was sitting with the boys on the couch and, and we somehow got on YouTube, amazingly, on America's Got Talent. And it's the season of champions right now, I discovered. So it's champions from around the world. So these are really, really fantastic individuals in whatever they're doing. And we'd, we'd watch a clip of them and Cooper's sitting there going, how do they do that? How, do, how are they doing that? They're throwing knives and jumping off stuff and flipping it. I said, you got to practice. You have to practice. You don't wake up and like, okay, today's the day. I'm throwing knives. <laughs> the little dude who went up on the top of a ladder like 20 foot tall and was balancing on a, just a single ladder, like not a step ladder, just a... It was a little bit crazy. He didn't just wake up and say, I'm going to climb this ladder. No, you're a fool. It takes practice. Whether you're a singer, whatever they were doing, it takes practice. These things don't happen by accident. In his book, Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell, he takes a look at people's success stories. And we very often see people at the moment they arrive, that's when they come to our attention, when they finally make it to the news for something they've done or they achieve something and we think, wow, they've just arrived. And we may see their viral video or, or suddenly they have a bunch of wealth as they sell a company that, that has become successful and it all seems to happen out of nowhere. But success in any area of life rarely just happens. Well, we do have natural abilities and some have more ability in areas than others. There, there's a combination of things that go into our success. Bill Gates happened to be at the right place at the right time. He didn't just create Microsoft. When he was a kid, there was, he had the uh, uh, almost unlimited access to early computers that filled whole rooms, which very few people in that time had access to, and he was just a teenager, and yet he had access to that. And so he had the, the, the ability to, to maximize the potential he had inside because he was near a place that had a computer when there was hardly any computers. It didn't just happen. We see uh, uh, sports uh, celebrities and, and all kinds of things from small to large success stories. There is a constant, if you could phrase it in terms of what we're talking about tonight, there is an intentional purpose. An intentional purpose. Those of you that have played sports, and I know there's several in here that if it wasn't for that hammy, you'd be famous right now. <laughs> but it takes intentional purpose. One of the, uh, I know you really don't care, but one of the, 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 the most famous and well-regarded soccer players in the world right now is Cristiano Ronaldo, and he just made a move to a new club for over a hundred million dollars. And he's one of the best soccer players to ever play. And his teammates said just a few weeks ago, they said, we know how he got there because he's the first one in at the age of 33, the best in the world, some would say, and he's the first one in the gym and he's the last one out. It's intentional what he's doing. There's a reason he's still one of the best players in the world at the age of 33, which doesn't seem that old anymore. <laughs> he's just a young whippersnapper. They're now entering the draft for sports with kids that have been born in the 2000s. They're now entering professional sports. That's really freaky. But they have intentional purpose. These, it doesn't matter if it's music. It doesn't matter if it's politics. It doesn't matter what it, it doesn't matter if you're becoming a lawyer. It takes an intentional purpose. 
And, and I don't know if we would classify it this way when, when we're younger and we're in that stage where we're just enjoying it and practicing it and having ambition, but it, we recognize it now for what it is, that it's intentional purpose. And in the same way in the natural, that you have to stay at the gym late, that you have to practice whatever the instrument is, is beyond what is expected, it's intentional purpose. And it carries over to our spiritual life. It carries over to our spiritual life. You do not become a prayer warrior by just praying for your dinner for two minutes. <laughs> and that's it. It takes intentional purpose. I don't become a worshiper by coming to church and sitting on a pew and one day the Spirit's just going to hit me and at that point I'm a worshiper now. I don't get to be anything without having an intentional purpose that my energies are focused and they are directed towards something. God created me with an intentional purpose in mind and I have to be intentional in my own life about that purpose. That clock is an hour and five minutes off. I can't figure that out in my head. So the question becomes the age-old one. When we look at it, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? You see, that's really the sticking point. We can all agree that God didn't make an accident when He created me. We can all agree that God has a purpose for my life. We can all agree that I should be intentional about that purpose, and I'm not going to achieve it unless I'm intentional about it. But what's the purpose? What's the reason? Because most of us don't have the Jeremiah moment where God says, I'm calling you to be a prophet to the nations. A lot of us don't have the Paul moment where God calls Paul to, be, to open the door to the Gentile world. A lot of us don't have the Peter moment where, where, God, where Jesus says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Most of us don't have those moments. Most of us have moments where we feel conviction and we feel a stirring and we think I need to do something more for the Lord. I, I'm not sure, uh, but there's something in me that, but we can't ever quite figure out what it is. What is the purpose that I can be intentional about? And we've been discussing and hearing about revival, about getting involved and serving. And two questions seem to crop up when we begin to think this way. The first is what? What? And the second is how much? It's how much? Because when I think of the harvest, man, it's a big harvest. <laughs> Where do I get involved? What do I do? And how much of my life is committed to the harvest? You see, because reality starts to hit. Do I know there's a harvest? Do I know the laborers are few? Do I know that people need the Lord? So how much of my life do I give to that? That's a tough question. And you know what? A lot of times we can't figure that out. So you know what we end up doing? If I could say it in a very crass way, jack squat. You come to those questions where you can't quite get the answer and so you just forget the question. It's what we do. We think, well, I don't know what my purpose is. And we get frustrated because we pray about it. We, we ask God and it, it just, it's, let me just say, first of all, usually finding your purpose is a little bit difficult. So I'll just lay that out there. And second of all, how much do I commit my life to this? Because I've got work, I've got family, I've got obligations, I've got these other things. Can I live my life in the harvest? Can I live my life all 24-7 doing what God has called me to do? You know what? That gets taxing. So what should I do? I don't know how to, where to get involved. I don't know what I can do. I don't even know what abilities I have that I could be useful in the kingdom of God. 
The second of how much can be just as stalling and frustrating. Because, you know, when I think of all that God has done for me, when I think of all He's given me, and what He's blessed me with in my life, whether it's spiritual or material, then really, what is enough to return to Him in service? What is enough? And, and that's a whole other thing because uh, we, we are debtors to Him, yet it says in Scripture that we cannot live our life in debt to Him. I can't live my life feeling like I owe God, even though I owe Him everything. But what is enough to give to Him? If I do find my purpose, if I do find something where I feel like I'm useful in the kingdom of God, how much is enough? What does Romans 12:1 actually mean in my life when it says that I am to present myself a living sacrifice? What does that mean? Because it convicts me, but I don't know how to translate that into my life. Of what does that actually mean? What to serve Him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength really look like? What does that mean? And tonight we're going to take a, a little step back and we're going to take a look at the overall picture. And yet I think, I hope, within my own life, I believe it does. And hopefully in your life we can provide a little clarity for where we need to be a starting point in our life, a tangible place that every single person in this room can start serving and doing what God has called you to do without the feeling of guilt and feeling like you got to sell the farm. Does that sound like sometimes where we are? It's the basis of intentional purpose. We turn to a passage, and, and I, I'm reminded over the last few months of Paul when he says, I don't want you to be turned from the simplicity of the gospel, that a lot of the answers can be found in the simple areas that I've moved on from. We turn to a passage that I'm sure everyone in here has probably heard, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away to, into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. The disciples go to a mountain where they have been commanded before by Jesus to go. Jesus says, I'll meet up with you in the mountain. And so they go there at a certain time and Jesus appears. And it leads to verse 17 which states that some worshipped and some doubted. That there was more on this mountain that day than just the 11 disciples that had traveled with Jesus. They, most feel that this uh, incident that occurs here is what Paul references in Corinthians when he says that Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. Most people feel it's speaking of this moment that Jesus shows up on the mountain and there's 500 of his followers there. And that's why some of them had seen Jesus before. So they start worshiping him. But others, they had never seen the risen Savior. So they're doubting as they see him appear in the distance. Is this really Jesus Christ? And Jesus approaches them all, and he reveals to them that all power is now his in heaven and in earth, hence the reason that he can be here that day. And this is an important statement, though, to understand because the next words that Jesus states are predicated on the fact that he has all power in heaven and earth. 
There, there it says there, there's a therefore in Jesus' very next words, which indicates that these are all connected to each other, these words, that he has all power or he has all authority. And I want to remind you that his words cannot be disconnected from the power contained in the words. He's letting them know and he's letting us know that there's power enacted when he speaks the word. When he says, you know, let there be light, there was the, the power to let there be light contained in those words and Jesus is about to speak but before he tells them something he wants to let them know the words that I'm about to tell you contain the power to accomplish what I'm about to tell you these are not lifeless words that Jesus is going to speak but they are words which contain power they contain authority in them and Jesus utters the words which we now call the great commission Contained in these words, this commission, we find the command, the purpose, that those 500 gathered there that day were now given the power and authority to base their life around. Make no, no mistake about this. There was people there of all levels of serving the Lord that day. You can't get a crowd of 500 together and say they were all devout, 100% sold out to Jesus Christ because some of them doubted when he appeared. So this was not just to the key leaders, but this was to to every believer that was gathered there that day. And Jesus was going to issue a challenge to them that day that was going to turn their lives upside down. He was telling them fishing is not where you're going to return to. That tax collecting may have to be left by the wayside. That being anonymous is no longer a privilege. That your priority, priorities might have to be arranged and that mindsets might have to be altered. And Jesus utters these three commands to those present. He says, go Teach and teach. <laughs> and without getting too far into the meaning of the words, we know what go means. And we'll get back to that in a minute. But the first teach speaks to making followers, discipleship, turning people towards Christ. As we can see that it's tied with the command to baptize those who are following. That I am leading people. That it speaks towards the gospel of leading people to Jesus Christ. The second spe uh, teach speaks to knowledge, doctrine, Christian principles, how to live for the Lord once I have been saved. And he says, go. He says, make disciples. And he says, teach. And we are given God's purpose for the church right here in this last words that he gives to his disciples on this mountain. He tells them, I've got three things that I want you to do. He says, revival's coming. Here's what it takes for revival. He says there's three things. He says, go, make disciples, and teach. We are given God's purpose, not just for the church, but I believe this is the purpose of my life. To go, to make disciples, and to teach. And I know there's questions about how we accomplish each of these. There's questions about that. How am I going? Does that mean that I have to become a missionary when I walk out of this place? No. And, and, and in later weeks, we're going to look at some of the specifics of this. But, but the idea of these, getting these three principles in our mind, that these, are, that these three things are the purpose of my life. The commission was given not just to Peter and John, but it was given to people who remain unknown to you and I today. Not the big names, but the people who would return back home. To people who would go back to work. To people who would go back to their families. They would go back to everyday life. Yet knowing they had experienced something on a mountain with Jesus. And really that's a lot of times how I can leave church. I know something happened. But Monday's coming. Life's still going to happen. 
if I could leave today after this service because it was so powerful, I'd go witness to whoever and wherever because I feel it so strong. But I can't. I don't have the money. What am I going to do with my house? What's my family going to do? You see, all those questions begin to assail me. And Jesus knew that. He knew that Peter was going to quit everything, that he was going to sell out and serve the Lord. He knew that some people, that's what they were called to do. But not all 500. He knew there were people that heard his words that were going back to life. And yet he still gave them this command. You see, the problem is not on the mountain because we know they are His words and we know that His words contain power and we agree with His words, but the problem is life off of the mountain. It's tomorrow. And really, that's off of the mountain is where the good intentions die. Being intentional begins to lose the battle. But Jesus knew all of this when he gave these three commands. Jesus knew that. He knew that life would take its toll. He knew that life would get busy. That's why he tells the parable about the weeds choking out the seed of the word of God. And that it, would be, it was the cares of life were the weeds. That's why we have the parable of the people that are too busy with life. When the master says, I've got a wedding feast. And he sends out word to his friends. And they say, I'm too busy. I just bought a plot of ground. I'm too busy. I just got married. That's why Jesus said that because he said he's telling us that he knows life will get busy that's why we have the parable of the virgins that we heard about Sunday that that, that's why we have those things is because life begins to take its toll and there are moments we fall asleep and he knew the difficulties that would come up against us in fulfilling these commands that he gave but I want to remind you that's why he prefaced it with the reminder that all power is his and that the commission Jesus gave to those present that day still holds true for you and I and the power to accomplish those still holds true for you and I today and I want to be successful in what he's called me to do I want to be successful in going I want to be successful in discipling and I want to be successful in teaching and to be successful just as in the natural I cannot achieve success in these areas unless I become intentional in my purpose I will not go accidentally. And maybe this is where the challenge starts to come. I will not go accidentally. I'm not going to stumble into a harvest field and 10,000 people get saved and I wake up and go, oh, how'd that happen? I'm not going to disciple accidentally. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to teach accidentally. Now, I realize that my life is teaching things all the time, but if I want... If I want good things to be taught, it's not going to happen accidentally. Unless I can take God's words and become intentional about the purpose, I will not be able to fulfill His words. So now I'm faced with myself. And I know we get up and say I'm preaching to myself today. Well, I have been challenged with this for a while before I've said this to you. And it's probably why I had so many notes because I was thinking about myself. I'm faced with the question, I'm faced with the question now of whether if that is the purpose and if I want to see revival happen, this is the method that God said revival would come. And if I want revival to happen and I know it's not going to happen accidentally, revival doesn't happen accidentally either. (laughs) I have to ask myself, am I intentional about the commission and purpose I've been given? Am I intentional? 
And that's the question that I pose to each of us tonight. Am I intentional about His purpose? Am I intentionally going? Am I intentionally discipling? And am I intentionally teaching? And when I begin to think about that in my life, I will have to admit a certain level of uncomfortableness. I was surprised that was a word. That's a really long word. But it did not autocorrect. It creeps in when I put the words intentional in front of these commands. You see, because I'm no different than anyone else. You know what I'm really good at? Rationalizing. I'm good at rationalizing things away. Real good about it. We're at the start of the new year and making all those resolutions. And if you've made some, good for you. Probably at some point, though, you're going to start to rationalize away. <laughs> when they announce the fast, you begin to think of what medication you could take in a few weeks. <laughs> you start to rationalize away. And these, these commands, and we're going to take a look at these in a little more in depth, but as, as we, I believe that as we, and I, there's, there's fine lines here, so understand what I'm saying, that when I'm saved, I need to get involved in a church. I need to surround myself with people that are godly. I need to do that. But the, the more I do that, and the longer I do that, the harder it is to be intentional about these things. And they won't happen unless I am intentional. When I approach my purpose, my commission, with more than an idea of opportunity than intentionality. Brother Kevin, are you available to help me up here? Brother Kevin is of like mind. We think we're really good at home DIY projects, but we're not really sure if we are. I need your help. You're going to show off your skills. You need to set up these saw horses first here. You got this. These are really cheap saw horses. I broke all the others. I broke the circular saw when I tried to cut a tree down with it too. I got most of it down. All right. Here, there's, there's a variety of nails here. Okay, just, uh, here, just pick one out and hand me the rest. No, hand me the rest. There we go. Yeah, take that. That's all right. They'll vacuum all the nails up. Okay. All right, so he has given me a purpose. You saw, you see the hammer and the nails here. God's given me a purpose. And a hammer and a nail, they have a purpose. Let's draw, but, but there, there's something about a hammer and nails. It requires intentionality. I have to be intentional. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to hammer that nail in the board. I will let you position the nail on the board. Okay? Okay? Now, I want you to hammer that in, but I want you to close your eyes. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, okay, take this nail, close your eyes, now hammer it in. Very good, he's, he's, I should have picked someone worse than him, he's really good at this, 
Okay. You don't have to do any more with your eyes closed. Now, I know if I was to hammer that in, of course you have your hand there guiding it. I wasn't about to put my hand there with his eyes closed. But there's something that changes a little bit when I'm focused on something. Go ahead and drive that nail in with your eyes open. Just go for it like you're... He missed more on that one. Man, that was worthless. Man. Yeah, close your eyes. Keep doing it that way. That's how he really does it anyway. You see, when I think about this, and I begin to imply, apply the idea of intentional to my life, you see, really, when I think about going, when I think about teaching and discipling, a lot of times, if I'm honest with myself, it's not really intentional. And you see, there's a difference between... Now, Kevin was just fantastic, but there's a higher potential of missing the nail with your eyes closed. I think we can all agree with that. Okay? There's a higher degree. There's also a little more... I don't know if you experienced a little more tentative approach when your eyes were closed to when your eyes were open. When your eyes are open, you can go for it because you know that, you know, at least if you miss, you can see where you're going to miss and if it's going to miss the board completely and whack you in the leg. You know it's coming at least. If you, not that I've ever done that. <laughs> I was trying to hammer with that circular saw in it. <laughs> Thank you, by the way, sorry. But there's a difference. One is very intentional. One is focused. The other is tentative. It kind of has the idea of more opportunistic. And I begin to look at this, and we all have various areas in our life where this can become a challenge. And for a lot of us, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, and it's about time to quit here, and I've got nails in the board and everything else. But it's definitely more effective hammering the nail in when there's an intent. When I know what I'm doing, when I can see what I'm doing, when I can plan what I'm doing, it's much more effective. And I, I, I say this in reference to my life, and I, I would venture to say it can be a challenge in many lives. I do not think it is incorrect for me to pray, Lord, open a door for me today. I do not think that's incorrect. Maybe I could use this to pound the pulpit. I do not think that it's incorrect to say, Lord, open a door for me today. Don't think it's wrong. I think that I should be ready always to give an answer when people see the hope in me. <laughs> I think that if someone asks for prayer in front of the cream corn, <laughs> I should pray for them. But let me say this. If that's my idea of going, that's not very intentional. <laughs> if my idea of of fulfilling the great commission of going and being intentional about it is waiting for the person in front of the cream corn to ask me? That's not very intentional. Do I believe that I should be a witness in my work? Yes. But probably you're not going to work to witness. You're probably going to work, and if an opportunity presents itself, you'll take it. But see, there's a slight difference. Because I become more tentative, it's not intentional. It won't happen. If that is my approach, if that is my approach, if that is your approach, let me ask you, is it working? 
Now, I realize that the seed is planted. I understand all of this. The seed's planted, and someone else could come along 20 years later and water it in something. I understand all of that, absolutely. But I also know that if I want something to succeed, I must be intentional. And this is a solution and a challenge for my life. I believe I should do all those things, and I should be ready to give an answer. That, that I, I, but we have this idea uh, that's become common of, of being on mission, wherever we are. And I believe that's true. I should be a Christian wherever I am. That it's not, I'm a Christian at church, and then I can do whatever I want. I believe that. But, and, and so while that's, I'm supposed to be there, it's not an intentional one, as, as intentional as it should be. It leaves too much to chance. I don't want to hammer the nail in with my eyes closed all the time because it leaves too much to chance. And the chances are I won't fulfill the Great Commission unless I'm intentional about it. And if you're honest with yourself, are you really fulfilling the Great Commission? Do you intend to? Yes. But am I? I don't like the answer sometimes. Going to work isn't going. Unless I go with the mindset of an intentional purpose, and I go every day, and I go to my workplace, and I, my point is to witness to somebody that day. And there's people that can do that. There's people that can do that, but that's not everybody. I have to go to work or school or whatever the case may be. And, and generally our attitude is, I'm going to be a good Christian. And if opportunity presents itself, then, then that's fine. But I, I cannot count that and say honestly to myself that that is intentionally going as Jesus had in mind, as he commanded on that day. So the challenge becomes a little bit different to me. You see, this is where the church can provide. You can do all these things on your own. You can go, you can teach, you can make disciples. You can do all those things on your own. But the church can help provide a structure to help in these areas. I realize that we can talk down programs, and I know that no program is, is ever going to, it's not the program itself that does anything, but the church can provide programs. And just like everything else, programs have their negative, and that's not all that there is. I've got to do things on my own. But there's also a positive to having things. The church can help provide opportunity for you to be intentional in the commission that God has given to every single one of us. And I believe that my purpose is to go, to disciple, and to teach. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not being intentional in my purpose. The church provides areas and connections to places where I can go. I can go to the nursing home. I can help pick up kids on a Wednesday night. I can go work in kids' church. I can help in CR. I can go to the jail during the week and on a Sunday. I can go on a Saturday on outreach. I can invite people to revival services. I can go help at the food pantry. I can go help at the pregnancy care center. These are all opportunities where I can be intentional about my going. Or I can leave it to chance. If... The door opens. If the door opens. The church helps. It provides intentional discipling opportunities. Fellowship is part of discipling. We have non-spiritual events that, that men and ladies and, and people can gather together and, and, and enjoy life together. That's part of discipling. We have Christmas at our place where we can serve together. Home Bible studies where you can lead someone to the Lord. You can chaperone kids on a, on a kids event or a youth event. That's discipling. 
It provides opportunity for intentional teaching where you can help in Sunday school, in kids' church, in a ministry development class, in a variety of ways that you can be intentional about your teaching. Are these the only ways that I can accomplish the Great Commission in my life? Absolutely not. But if I'm not, these are great opportunities where I can be involved in making sure that I am intentional in my purpose for the kingdom of God. If this is the blueprint for revival, if this is what the early uh, church and the apostles followed and they saw people added to the church daily, that's what I want to see in my life. That's what I want to see in this church. I want to come to church on a Wednesday and hear about people who are new on Monday and Tuesday. I want to come on Sunday and hear about people baptized on Thursday and Friday and filled with the Holy Ghost Saturday. But it won't happen if I'm not intentional about my purpose that I get involved in the purpose and plan to do what God has called me to do. And I'm finishing up. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. What can I do? That's the one question. What can I do? There's all kinds of stuff you can do. And let me just say, there's all kinds of areas, and we've never had too many people in one area. (laughs) Except to eat breakfast. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We've never had too many people in one area. We can always put you on a schedule once a month. We could always, kids' church is not going to say, nope, we don't need you. No, they'll use you somewhere. Sunday school is not going to say, oh, we've got way too many. No, you could come in and do something. There's all of these things that you can be involved in if you are not involved in your own life in doing these. So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. How much? How much? So you're telling me that if I want to go, I have to go to the nursing home, pick up kids on Wednesday, go to CR on Friday, go to the jail on Thursday and Sunday, go to outreach on Saturday, be involved in all the revival services, and then in my spare time, go to the food pantry, pregnancy care center, and then help old ladies across the road early in the morning. (laughs) And then once I'm done with that, I'm going to go fellowship with people. I'm going to go help plan things. I'm going to go ahead and just start having Christmas at our place at my house every night. Teach a home Bible study at the end. Dinner at a home Bible study. I'm going to, and then I'm going to go to convention and congress and everything else with the kids and stay up and do all night things. And then once I'm done with that, I'm going to find a few places to teach. How much is enough? How much is enough? So here's what I'm challenging this church to do. Every single person. I'm not challenging you to do all those things. Now, I do believe when you get involved in one, you'll, you'll find a way to get involved in another because you'll enjoy it. <laughs> but I'm not asking you to get involved in all of them. Here's what I'm challenging everyone to do, to be intentional about the Great Commission. Find one thing to do in each area. Find one way that you can go. Find one way that you can disciple and find one way that you can teach. Find a place where you can be intentional about going. And we're going to talk about these in February. How I I can intentionally go and what that means. How I can intentionally disciple somebody. Not just per chance. Not just happenstance. But no, I know what I'm doing. And I know that I'm discipling someone. Intentionally teaching somebody. Well, I don't like to get up in front of people. That's not all that teaching entails. Let me remind you because Jesus reminds after he says to go and teach and make disciples. He reminds, lo, I am with you always. He reminds them. He says, I have all power. When I obey his command, I have the power to accomplish what he has called me 
to do. As we stand this evening, maybe, maybe it was just in my own head. Maybe it was just in my own head when I think of all that I could do and what I should do, and then I just end up not doing. And then when I hear people say I should go, you know what happens? I just feel guilty. You know what? God doesn't operate with guilt. I'll tell you this, I'm not going to operate with guilt. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you, you should eat your food because there's starving kids in Africa. I'm not going to tell you that. Which that doesn't work. Because the one time I felt so bad that I offered to send it. And then they wouldn't send it. So whose fault is it now? So then I just put it on my sister's plate since I didn't want to eat it. But find a place to be intentionally going. Find a place to be intentionally discipling. Find a place to be intentionally teaching. And let me just tell you, there's people that are comfortable in one of those areas. There's people that are great at going. And they can talk to anyone. They can, they can strike up a conversation with one of those bushes out there. And they'll have them in church before you know it. That's not me. There's other people that are comfortable discipling someone, being in fellowship and, and hospitality and all that kind of stuff. There's people who are good at teaching, who are good at explaining things. And that's all right if, if I find myself uh, more prone to one than the other. But let me remind you that he called all of us to all three. Because you know what that does? That provides a balance in my life. If all I'm doing is trying to convince people to come to church and striking up conversations, you know what? I need to teach somebody to keep some depth in my life. And if all I'm doing is teaching and I get all caught up on the intricacies or whatever, I might need to go talk to someone who just needs the Lord in their situation and their struggling to remind me that there's more than the minutia of the word of the Lord. You see, it creates a balance in my life. And perhaps the reason that I struggle sometimes is because I don't have the balance that God has commanded me to have in my life of going, discipling, and teaching. And so the challenge tonight is not one where we come and weep around the altar. Maybe you will. I don't know. But the challenge is not one like that. But it's a challenge of making a commitment that I'm going to find. No, it's not just go. It's not just teach. It's not just make disciples. The challenge is simple. Find one place. Find one place where I can go intentionally, intentionally. If every single person in this place was involved in one area of this church with going, imagine what that would do, intentional about it. Well, I don't like it. Well, fine, come talk to me and we'll start something for that you do like where you can go. But imagine if it, I, just how that would change my life, where it's not just, Lord, if you open the door, and once every six weeks I recognize the door he opened, and so once every couple months I tell someone about the Lord, that doesn't seem quite intentional to me. Where I'm discipling someone, where I'm leading someone, where, where it, it's difficult the longer I get in church to have fellowship with people that aren't in church because I know less of them. But I can start discipling someone. I can start leading someone. You know what? And it, it, you can say it's pride or whatever you want. But I want there to be people in this church that I have led to that baptistry. Yeah. 
And when I look in the mirror, hmm, does it become troubling? And I would venture to say the reason why it's not is because I haven't been really that intentional about it. Just if it happens. I would love... Sorry, I've got you standing. This is what I like. And no music. Standing with no music. You're going to go to sleep. This is my chair. Oh, Lord Jesus. This is what I would like. I'm willing. I'm ready to help whosoever will. Let them come. And that's how I think a lot of times we live our life for the Lord. If someone asks me, I'll tell them. If someone needs help in some direction, I'll tell them. If someone needs taught something and they don't understand something, come on, here's my feet, wash them, then sit right at them. I'll tell you. But you know what? I'm never going. I'm never intentionally seeking any of that out. I know the scripture says, the spirit and the bride say come, and whosoever will, let them come. I understand that. But he also tells me to go, to be intentional about what I'm doing. And my challenge to every one of us is to find one area. And maybe you're already serving in one of those areas. That's great. Serve in one area. Serve, serve in one thing in each of those areas. And I believe revival will happen like we've never seen before. I do. Because we're being intentional about it. It's not going to happen by accident. We're not going to... Uh, it, it, it could happen. I can't rule anything out. Because I'm not in charge. Aren't you thankful? But I could walk in on a Sunday morning and 3,000 people be in the gym. But I'd venture to say it's probably not going to happen unless I'm intentional about it. And so I want to be intentional about what God has called me to do. I want us to pray right now in closing. And I want us to pray that the Lord would, would help us to look in the mirror and say, Lord, am I intentionally going? Am I intentionally discipling? Am I intentionally teaching? And Lord, if I'm not, you don't even have to know quite how you're going to do it right now. But I would just, just pray, Lord, I commit to finding something that I can be intentional about, intentional about how I'm living for you, about my purpose, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can, Lord. I'm just going to find an area, Lord, and I'm going to plug myself in. Come on, let's pray right now. Let's make a commitment right now.